Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. It is a great morning to get to worship our God together. Uh, you may have noticed there was a similar word in both of Chad's songs there that he led us in, and that is call. And so today that's going to be our word that we're going to see as we look at God's call to Ezekiel. So I hope you'll have your Bibles open. We'll be in Ezekiel's chapters 1 through 3, and we'll be starting in chapter 1 here in just a moment. This morning, we're going to have a look at how people follow God. The beginning of people's decision to follow God is always an interesting one. Each of us has a different experience with how we came to know Jesus. Some of us were raised by parents who taught us about God. Some of us were brought to church by grandparents and learned that way. Some of us came with a friend, neighbor, coworker, or even sometimes a stranger. And each of us has a different story about how we came to know our Lord. And that is a great thing. It is good that we are different because God doesn't choose identical people to invite to be a part of himself. He accepts anyone who is willing. And so all of us can come to God through our own experience and find ourselves with him when we obey. And that's true of God's servants in the Bible as well. Over the past year, I've preached a lesson on the call of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and now today, Ezekiel. And so each of them has different backgrounds they, before they became a prophet of God. And so today we're going to see who Ezekiel was and what he did and how he came to serve the Lord. So the first thing that we need to see when we look at the prophet Ezekiel is that the call of the Lord may come in hard times. And so how do we answer God in Babylon? The, word, the world was not an easy place for Ezekiel at the beginning of this book. Ezekiel was taken from his home in Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. A foreign pagan nation has attacked its home and ransacked the temple. It's not an easy time to be a Jew. Maybe especially for Ezekiel. He was going to be a priest. He's the son of a priest, and chapter 1 tells us that he is now 30 years old. And then the law, when a Levite of a priestly family turns 30, that is when they can start being eligible to serve in the temple. That's when they can begin their career of being a priest. Except Ezekiel's not in the temple courtyard. He's looking out and he's seeing a Babylonian city. He is living in a different world now. There is no temple to God. It is only surrounded by idols. There is no palace where they have a king representing their interests. There is only the king that has conquered them. They are separated by friend, from friends, neighbors, and maybe even family members. The whole world has been turned upside down, and Ezekiel is in the middle of it. Imagine how hard this would be. You had your life goal that you'd be ready to get into the job you've always wanted at a certain age. And you get there and it's gone. He's living in a new country now as an exile. He's sitting out by a canal that's not the Jordan River. He's living in a home that's not Jerusalem. He's surrounded by gods that aren't the one true God. How would you feel in this moment? You've had this dream of what your life would look like. You've had this idea of what job you'd have, of where you'd live. And now you've been displaced from your home and you've lost your job would you feel dejected, disappointed, depressed? Could you possibly be used by God in such a time as this? 
Well, this is the time where God uh, chooses to begin Ezekiel's call. And call may be too weak of a word here, by the way, because what happens to Ezekiel here in chapter 1 is hard to express in words, as we'll see from what Ezekiel says about it. Um, but he is choosing this moment to, to choose Ezekiel as his servant. And it begins with this great vision of chapter 1. We're not going to read it for the sake of time, but it is a great experience that we see Ezekiel have. He has shown God's glory. Let's read verses 1 through 3, and we can see a little bit about it. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chabar Canal. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Do you see there are three things there that tell us how extraordinary this experience was for Ezekiel? The heavens were opened, and he saw visions of God. The word of the Lord came to him, and verse 3, the hand of the Lord was on him. God is making himself known to Ezekiel through a great storm and shares his message to him. We know how a great storm feels. We've just been through that just a couple days ago. Thursday, it felt, we felt out of um, control and we noticed how much uh, there is that we just have nothing to say against, that we are small. That's how Ezekiel feels except magnified in this moment. But there's one remarkable word in the paragraph we just read that helps us to see the significance of this vision. And it's the last word of verse 3. The hand of the Lord was upon him there. Ezekiel's not in Jerusalem. He's not at the temple. God is appearing to him not on the temple mount, not in Jerusalem, not in the wilderness like many of the prophets, but in the middle of the pagan country of Babylon. So there is a great comfort here for Ezekiel. He has uh, to be able to see God is with him. Because can you see the temptation of the Jews here? To say God has abandoned us. We are left in a nation with these evil people. We are separated from God forever. But God chooses to show Ezekiel a vision here in Babylon, in the most difficult place and time that he could be at. And the vision is astounding. Again, we're not going to read the vision for the sake of time, but you'll, if you read through, you'll see Ezekiel describe things like this. He says, it was like the appearance of something else. Sometimes he even says it more vaguely than that. It was something like the appearance of this. It might have looked something like the appearance of this. He has no earthly way to be able to show us what he is seeing. It is an uh, extraordinary experience. He's seeing a life-changing event. From, the, from God here. And the point of the vision, I think, is this. The God of Israel is even here in Babylon. He is still in control. And all of this gets his attention. Let's read the last uh, verse of chapter 1. It's the last half of the sentence there into chapter 2. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. God is showing Ezekiel his glory, and he gives him the message with the power of his Spirit. 
And we see the effect it had on him. He sees everything that God has shown him, and he falls on his face. He feels powerless before God. He feels nothing but reverence and awe before the great God that is before him. That is who Ezekiel is bowing before. He's not denying God. He's not rejecting him. He is humbly before him as he sees his great power. So I like how it says it here. God stands him up. God stands him up so he can speak to him. And so before we see the message God gives Ezekiel, we can't say enough about the phrase in verse 2. The Spirit entered me. God was part of who Ezekiel was here. God had a part in the strength of the prophet that he was going to call. We often think of prophets and servants of God as these special, extraordinary people. These people that are just amazing people. And we have the benefit of seeing their whole life and knowing what they accomplished. But they at the beginning, when they're being called by God, often respond the same way. God, are you sure you have the right person? I think we can relate to that thought, can't we? Maybe someone else would be better than me here. Moses and Jeremiah both talked about how they were not good enough to answer the call. Even Isaiah, who's the poster child of the perfect prophet who comes and says, Here am I, send me, has a moment where he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he sees his flaws before the Almighty God. So we need to see how God can make any of us capable and any of his prophets capable Because God does the same for us when we serve Him. We aren't special on our own right. That's not why we serve. We serve because God has given us the strength we need to answer His call. And so before we talk about how Ezekiel hears the call and responds to the call that he is about to receive, let's make some application. Because we're not called because we are great. We are called because our God is great. So let's start by saying that we need to be humble. When we see a task in front of us that God would want us to do, humility is part of who we are. We're not useful to God because we are special. We are useful to God because He is special. Because God chose a young man who never got to lead and serve as a priest. He had little to no experience being up in front of people. He was out of his element, not in his hometown anymore. He was in Babylon. And God chose him. Do you still feel like saying, I can't? We often respond to God's word with our flaws instead of our faith. We need to reverse that. I can't is something we shouldn't say. Here's maybe what we should say instead. I can't by myself. Once we see our need for God, we have so much of a capability that we can do for him. Another practical thing that we can do is we can be thankful that God is with us in our difficult times. Ezekiel is in the middle of Babylon, ready to receive the message of God. God doesn't abandon his people. And so that should create a response in us that we never want to abandon our God. Even if we're in a difficult time, we're not saying, okay, I think I'd be better off on my own. We're a people who stay with our God, who want to walk with Him. Because you can see the temptation of the Jews here in exile. They might think God isn't for us anymore. This was a time where their faith was tested to the farthest extreme. And when we face hard times in our lives, we face a test to our faith too. 
So will we focus on the hardship or will we focus on the blessing that God is with us even in our hardship? That's the only reason we can answer the call to begin with is because God is with us. So the call still comes. So the call is difficult because let's see what God is asking Ezekiel to do. Pick up with me in chapter 2 and verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions." Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Let's list what God says here about Israel, just, just so we can kind of have it in front of us. They are a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers transgressed against me to this very day. They are impudent and stubborn. In verse 5, they are a rebellious house. In verse 6, they are a rebellious house. In verse 7, they are a rebellious house. In just these few verses, five times, he has called them rebellious. I think we get the picture. Israel was a people that had a hard time submitting to God. This is a scathing view of Israel from God. So maybe the first thing that we should notice together is that we should be impressed with how merciful God is here. If this is truly the character of the people of Israel, isn't God within his rights to completely abandon them to Babylonian justice? He could have left them and said, I'm starting fresh with someone who will listen. God is willing to call Ezekiel in this moment in Babylon to this people whose defining characteristic in this chapter is rebellion, and he's willing to send a prophet to them. And you know, God is so gracious to us that he's aware of our sinfulness. He knows our rebellion, does he not? He sees us and knows us more than we even know ourselves. We've got to remember the mercy of God when we're in hard times. Because what is the impact if we hear about God without the grace he gives? What does it feel like for us to learn about God and not know anything about grace? Without the proper emphasis on the grace of God, the gospel doesn't seem like good news anymore, does it? Without the grace of God, it's all bad news for us because we are lacking, we are coming up short, and we are failing. And we were, when we are approaching God in hopes of salvation, that grace is Magnificent. We aren't just barely saved as we approach our God. We are overwhelmed with the grace of our God that he has taken us from people who have been his enemies to people he wants to be his children. That's what God's grace does for us. His grace has overwhelmed our rebellion and instead given us a place and a relationship with him. And so because this call is hard, God tells Ezekiel, do not fear. He says, do not fear, Ezekiel. And there are a couple of different reasons why Ezekiel is told not to fear. First, God tells him twice in this passage 
that they may hear or refuse to hear what you have to say. By the way, that's not specific to Ezekiel. Every prophet deals with that problem. The end of Isaiah, they're going to have hard hearts. Jeremiah, they're not going to listen. Moses, they're going to grumble all the way throughout your life. Ezekiel has no different treatment here. A prophet of God is ready for rejection. And we can relate to that, can't we? Because we feel the rejection of people when we try to share the gospel with them. Right now in our Room 7 class on Wednesdays, we're talking about evidences for God and why we can have a better faith in God. And we have conversations frequently about how people can respond to the evidence that we look at. And every week we have this same point. They can approach this evidence and they can have it point them to God, or they can approach this evidence and they can deny. There is a choice in every single thing we put in front of us. And everything we put in front of us can make us closer to God or we can deny God. And so we know how intimidating it can be to share the good news because we don't like being rejected. And it was intimidating for God's people in the Old Testament too. God tells Ezekiel, do not fear, just guessing that Ezekiel might be afraid at some point. He knows the fear of Ezekiel and he knows that he's there to comfort him. But in these moments of fear, of rejection, we need to remember God is with us in these moments. He is in the message and he will take care of us, making sure that he is with us. So first, they may refuse to hear. Second, he tells of a violence response in verse 6. Though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions. It's a colorful picture of how they might respond that this is not a comfortable situation Ezekiel is going into. And this makes sense when you know what Ezekiel is about to preach to them. Because the first 25 chapters of Ezekiel are all about judgment on Israel. And he's not just being general. Maybe this judgment might come. Judgment is coming on the priesthood. Judgment is coming on the people. Judgment is coming on you. He is very direct in the judgment that is to come. Then he gives some judgments on the nations surrounding Israel in the coming chapters. And then again, chapters 33 through 35 is more judgment on Israel. Just when they thought they were done, there's more. This isn't going to be an easy message he's giving. In fact, in chapter 2, verse 10, he gets the scroll from God, and the message that is on it is described as this, lamentation and mourning and woe. I don't know about you, but that's not the first book I pick off the bookshelf. That is not your bestseller. That's not the book that you go to for a comfort reading. It is a difficult message that Ezekiel is given to share. But on the other hand, I do think we need to notice in chapter 3, God tells Ezekiel to eat the scroll because this is Ezekiel that we're reading and things like that happen in this book. But uh, he tells Ezekiel to eat the scroll and in verse 3, then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Even the most difficult messages of God, the most harsh messages of judgment that even come upon us in our own home are sweet because they are the word of God. And Ezekiel has that perspective but it's hard for people to hear judgment. They may not react well to hearing the difficult truth that tells them, I have to change. They may react with briars and thorns and scorpions. They may make it painful for the speaker or at least uncomfortable. 
that those who share feel their discomfort. But there comes a time where God's people can't back down from saying what needs to be said. Lots of different things keep us from speaking about our God. We started off talking about inadequacy, our feelings of ourselves not being enough. Or as we're just now talking about fear can be something that keeps us. Another thing that can keep us from God is apathy. Some refuse the call of God simply because we don't care enough about what God's call is. I pray that we can overcome that temptation, that that desire for something else to supersede God is defeated in our lives. Because we might have moments where our apathy exceeds our love for the Lord. I just pray that we defeat those moments so we can serve the Lord the way we should. So God tells Ezekiel, that he is going to do all of this so that Israel will know there has been a prophet among them. It's remarkable because God is sending this prophet not for his own benefit, not for Ezekiel's benefit, but for Israel's benefit. He's sending the prophet so that they will know. Someone tried to tell you of the mercy of God. Someone tried to point you back in the right direction. God wants Israel to know he cares about them. And God wants us to know how much he cares about us. So he has given us his son and his word so we can listen to him. We can't be afraid. We can't be apathetic because we are his. And so Ezekiel is told by God to do one more thing here in this section. And that's in verse 8. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. God wants to make sure Ezekiel knows you're going to look different than the people you were prophesying to. And that's a valuable lesson to us. If we're going to be God's people, we cannot look like the world around us. The religious world keeps trying this. We keep trying to cater what we do to what people want. I shouldn't say we. I say we in the grand sense. But maybe if we see what they want and give it to them, they'll be excited about coming to Jesus. Well, we know that's not actually what brings people to God. Because if we just give them what they want instead of giving them what God wants them to have, it just fools them into thinking that they are okay with God when they haven't really changed. What we do here in our worship matters. And we can't change it to cater to the changing preferences of people. But what about personally? We can't even begin to represent God and His message when we look like the people God is rebuking. Do you joke with your coworkers and laugh along when they make jokes and talk like they shouldn't? Do you speak differently when you're here at church than you do on the outside world when you're with people who don't know any better? If we're going to be God's servants, we need to be God's servants all the time. Because anything less is not enough to satisfy our great God. So the call of God needs to be answered even if it is difficult to do. So how do we answer our great God? Ezekiel responds in an interesting way. Turn over to chapter 3. We'll read starting in verse 12. After God speaks to him and tells him everything he is going to say, then the Spirit lifted me up. God is involved in him again. And I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. 
Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another and the sound of the wheels beside them, parts of the vision that are still happening, and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were dwelling by the Chabar Canal. And I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. This is a shocking response of Ezekiel, because Ezekiel is angry. The ESV, as I just read, says he was in bitterness and the heat of his spirit. The NASB says he was embittered in the rage of his spirit. Now the question is, what is Ezekiel angry about? And there are two options uh, that he could be angry here. Ezekiel could be angry at God. Why would you send me to a people who won't repent? Or why did you wait until we're already in captivity? We could have stopped this before we got here. We know God has used prophets with bad attitudes before. Just look at Jonah. He, uh, Jonah spent half his book angry or rebelling against God. Ezekiel could be overwhelmed by the call of the Lord here. Or Ezekiel could be angry at Israel. He heard God's perspective on the sin of the people and he could be overwhelmed with bitterness and anger at them. Either way, Ezekiel is responding in anger and he sits at the river Chabar for a week and is just angry. And it's remarkable because what does God do? God allows him to just sit there. God allows Ezekiel to sit there for a week and wait. We often make remarks about Job's friends, about how the best thing that they did is they sat there with Job in silence as he was in his difficulty. Well, God does the same thing here for Ezekiel. He sits there and lets him work through the difficulty he is facing. Because the call of God can be difficult for us sometimes. He called Ezekiel to go to a people he knew, maybe even respected, and rebuke them for their sins. We can be called to talk to people that we know, people we think highly of, people in our families even. But we are called to remind them of God so that they can come to know Him. So if you're bitter, overwhelmed, angry, fearful, you're not alone. Ezekiel struggled with those exact same things. But let's see where Ezekiel ended up. Because after a week, verse 16, at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. God's word still comes to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel gets up, and he goes and shares the word of the Lord. But God called Ezekiel, and there is an essential part of answering God's call that is here for us to understand. We have to be changed by the message before we can expect it to change others. Verse 10 of chapter 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. God has told Ezekiel his message, and he has even told Ezekiel how Israel will respond. But there's one more thing that is important for Ezekiel to see. God tells Ezekiel that he must first receive it himself. The message has to be taken in by us before we can ever expect to share it. Tim and myself have conversations about this constantly. Or we talk about it before we get up here and share something of God's word with you. We have to be impacted by it personally. 
We have to be shown what the word means in my life before we can share what it means in our life. And I've been impacted by the call of Ezekiel because of the grace of God. God chose to give his message to people who were rebellious. He chose to use a prophet who was imperfect. And all of that shows me is that God can use me, a rebellious, imperfect person. And it shows us that God can use you, rebellious, imperfect people. God can use us to share his great message. His message of grace is great. And we have been greatly blessed to know that our Savior cares for us. God's word should have a great impact on us. There is no powerful message. Ezekiel eventually got to share how God was planning to reconcile with Israel. He got to share hope with them. And God has told us that he wants to redeem us. He has shared how he has given us hope through his son because he has given us Jesus that we can be saved. We've, called, we've been called to help people see their need for him that they could defeat sin and death with his power and redeeming blood. We've been called to share this message. So will you answer the call before you in Scripture? We can all answer in some small way. We just have to be willing because God will take care of the rest. We're going to have a song that will help us to do this. Let's stand together as we sing.